Hello, everybody. Welcome to our, like, literally, it's the first ever championship game preview show. It, not just like one fanatic, like, literally, in the history of Iowa State football. We're glad to have it to you here on a Monday night. We wanted to do a kickoff show, kick off the week, uh, do it all right, get everybody to get some positive vibes going. And then we're going to start to break down uh, the big game between Iowa State and Oklahoma. Of course, the uh, Big 12 championship game kickoff will be at 11 o'clock on Saturday. I want to thank our sponsors. These are going to be our sponsors for the entire um, postseason, Iowa State football, uh, before I bring in Brett Meyer and Todd Blythe. Uh, Fairway Meat and Grocery, uh, they've been a big supporter of ours with our halftime show all year, the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, of course. Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson, the sports book there. Got my uh, DraftKings app right here. Use it all the time. And then a Graphite Construction Group, a new sponsor of ours here at Static. We'll tell you all about these companies and more here over the next two, three weeks or so. And it doesn't matter where you're watching. If you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, uh, Twitter, or if you're at CycloneFanatic.com, you should see a thing on the corner where you can ask questions to our guests as we break down Iowa State and Oklahoma we want this to be very interactive tonight. So, without any further ado, I want to bring in the real experts. I'm just a loudmouth. And uh, I'll first bring in um, Todd Todd Blythe. What's up, my man? How are the, the greatest cyclone wide receiver of all time? Is Lazard coming on here later? I thought, I thought it was just me here tonight. But, uh, no, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? It's, it's great to have you. Uh, you've been a great 
addition to what we're doing here at Cyclone Fanatic, man. It, uh, we love having you. And then, uh, of course, the, the the great Brett Meyer as well. Uh, sorry, man. Purdy's on the roster. I, I was going to say, I, I don't even get the, I don't even get the fake. I called you great. You're one of the all-time. All we got Purdy, hey. though, man. I mean. No. Hey, you got my jersey in the background. You got I, I um, do. David Sims on the other one. I think he was the real number one. <laughs> I do. I got my Meyer and Blythe. You guys can see him back there. It's my, my two yeah. favorite clones of all time. Uh, we go. will have Brent Bloom with us. Actually, Bloom is here. I've been told that Bloom's here. Bloom, you guys <laughs> yeah, here. What's up? What's up? What am you I, Chris? What do you mean? kids to bed, right? I, they, they went down quick. They knew we had to do the show. That's They're great. Prepared. Yeah. Well, five-star five star culture in the Bloom house. Yes. Hey, check that out. You can now get these at the Cyclone Fanatic store, by the That's way. Mike did, a, Mike did a great job with those. Uh, really good job. Uh, I just got mine in the mail today. So I'm super excited. Um, and I'm glad we're doing this on a Monday night to kind of just set the tone for the entire week. But again, we want you guys to chime in. We do have some questions in about 15 minutes. Big, big time. We're going to give away a Traeger grill. This is huge. Uh, we've been doing our Iowa Pork-sponsored tailgate competition all year long. And I actually already did the drawing, uh, but I have the sheet right here. No funny business, I promise. But I wanted to be able to put the graphic up there, so I just did it. Um, and we have a graphic with our winners that we'll do at about 820, courtesy of our friends at the Iowa Pork Producers. So that's coming up. And uh, let's just kind of set the tone. And, Brett, let me start with you, man. Like, I'm, I'm really interested in just – when I look around college football, how unique this season's been, right? But it, it seems to me like you're you're starting to see some fatigue with the COVID stuff, right, where it's like teams are just bowing out. Could you imagine playing in a season like this? Because I had a couple sources over the last couple of weeks say, like, man, this has turned into a real slog, you know, to get to this point in the season. What What would it be like? You know, if Brett Myers 22 years old and he, he can't, you know, go over to a friend's house or go and hit up Patty's on a Thursday night. <laughs> Man, yeah. If we didn't have our sips in our life, I don't know how. Oh, we, I mean, what are you, you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, I think it would probably go in phases. Um, you know, starting out, you're probably just happy that you're going to get a chance to play. Right. Because we didn't know if that was going to happen earlier in the year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could understand regardless of how good of a season you're having, you're going to have fatigue. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know that I could imagine playing. I think the one thing that really helps is you, when you're in this, when you're a college athlete and Todd can attest to this as well, you know, like, Hey, it's, it's winter conditioning. You're up at five o'clock in the morning, three days a week. You're going to do the most ridiculous and hardest workout of your life three times a week. It's like you do kind of some crazy stuff, like just being a college athlete. You're going to go play in front of 80,000 fans on the road. Is it like an 18, 19 year old freshman? Like you do stuff that are that most people would like think is just crazy and wild and kind of out of the question. You do that pretty consistently. So I do think that there's somewhat of a, I don't know if you call it a, you know, hey, you, you know, Coach Campbell says, look, we're going to have to test every day. There's going to be, through spring and summer, only nine guys in a building at one time. And it's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be seven, eight, nine months of this. And part of the time, it's like, tell me when to be and where, tell me where to be and when to be there and what I need to do. And you just do it. So I think, but, you know, I think you got to be realistic and realize there's going to be fatigue. So, yeah, I, I think it'd be hard to place myself in a season like this, but I'm glad that we had the leadership that we do and we've made it work. 
Uh, real quick, and we, we should have done this before, um, one of our commenters, um, Cy Cowboys, he said we needed to raise the Cody Road before we begin. So maybe that was – Todd's got it. Where's Brett? Go get your <laughs> – Brett's running to the liquor cabinet. Brett, Brett's going to go pour – Bloom, you got yours? You see how – you see that mine's – Bloom must running be low, buddy. Uh, no, I, I had uh, to hustle that. I don't have mine uh -oh. on me. I need to go. I need to All go. Right, well, if, you need to, if you need to go do it, uh, but we, we got to do that. Cause I think that that's good luck. Um, we we got to do that. Todd. Um, oh, yeah. I want to ask kind of the same thing to you, but uh, just in the sense of, you know, not only has Iowa state made it through the year, but they've gotten better. You know, they haven't had a situation like we've seen some of these teams where it's like, man, they like Kansas State, for instance, and I'm not throwing them under the bus. They started pretty well. They lost their first game, but then they beat Oklahoma. They look like they're going to be a big 12 championship contender. They kind of lost their focus with the COVID stuff and they fizzle out. Iowa State's gotten better. What does that say to you about this team? I mean, the, the only really good answer I have for you is going to sound super cliche, but it truly is just the culture that uh, that Coach Campbell's brought to that place and, and has built there. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of like Brett talked about and like you said before, for some teams this this season has just become a slog and a fight, and they just got to try and grind to get through it. Um, I can say, you know, from Brett and I's experience when we were playing, our first couple of years when we were good and going to bowl games, it would have been a lot easier for us to abide by these rules and, you know, stay on the path and, and – the and, you know, keep doing what you're supposed to be doing to make this happen. Our last two years when we weren't very good and we were losing a lot of games, it would have been a lot a lot tougher to uh, to have all these guidelines in place that you have to follow and not be able to do what you want to do as a, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old out there. So um, it truly just comes down to the leadership, the le not not just of the staff, but of the players as well. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, of positive, good, loud voices in that locker room, um, just leading them in the right direction. And, you know, obviously – Iowa State's one of the few teams out there that hasn't had a hiccup along the, you know, the entire course of the season. Obviously, we can only control 50% of that, um, but we've been really, really good on our end, um, not just football, but the entire athletic department. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll bring Bloom in here now, the encyclopedia. Uh, he's the brains behind this operation. <laughs> here, as we start to dig into this matchup, um, I – my favorite part about this, and we kind of touched on our podcast last night, Brent, and then we can throw it to these guys too, is I like the fact that Iowa State's getting Oklahoma here. Um, we did some research. Um, and, guys, this is crazy. We got to go back to the Meyer and Blythe era. That's right. Oh, God. Uh oh Swear to God. We have oh, to, well, prior, the pre-Meyer to Blythe era, since the last time – a program not named Oklahoma or Texas has won a Big 12 championship game. Now, it's notable to point out that they didn't have the championship game for about five years in there. But it was, Bloom, it was 2003, the last time a team not named Texas or Oklahoma won this game. It was Kansas State who knocked off the top-ranked Sooners in that game, 35-7. to That was the Darren Sproles team. But Bloom, man, like historically, like we've made such a big deal out about what this means for Iowa State. But this is a hell of a, this is a hell of an accomplishment just in the Big Twelve if Iowa State can win this football game. No doubt. I mean, it's like some of those years where teams make runs to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, and you go, you know, what do we say about Scott Drew over the years? It's like, well, yeah, but you know, when yeah. you played an eleven seed, a twelve seed, and a nine seed to get there, like it doesn't really count. Uh, you can't say that this year if Iowa State does it because they literally played everybody in the conference. 
They go eight and one in the conference, and you're not getting, you know, Northwestern in the championship game. I don't know why I chose Northwestern, but you're not getting Northwestern in the championship game. You're getting Oklahoma, who is the perennial power and has won this thing more than anybody. So if you're going to do it, there's no asterisk involved. You are beating the best, and that means you're the best. And so I, I think this is great. Now, would you have a better chance to be Oklahoma State? Obviously, but you know I think this is an opportunity that we waited our lifetimes to see, and you might as well knock off Oklahoma again. And I just think it it makes for a you know the best possible of situations. And then, yeah, there's no second guessing this championship if it happens. Um, what what does that mean for? Let's go to the former players. Um, you guys were so close a couple times to to playing in this game, but f- from that aspect of it, uh, Brett, like both of these teams, this is what's cool about it. I, I went back late last night because Bloom got me thinking, and I watched the October meeting between these two teams, and I've watched them both a lot since. Obviously, Iowa State more, but both of these teams have gotten so much better from that October meeting. So, Brett, like, what do you? Um, from that standpoint of what Bloom and I just talked about, if you're a player in this game, like does it does it matter who you're playing, or is this a deal where Iowa State feels confident against Oklahoma? They always give them problems. Do you, do you want the big dog? Do you want to knock the mighty Sooners who have been in the college football playoff three years in a row off of their throat? Absolutely, and I think what's you know the way we view Oklahoma in our era is probably different than the way these kids do because they beat them, they've seen yeah. them. You know, when Joel Lanning and, and Lazard and those guys went down there and won in Norman, I mean, last year, if, you know, pass interference was a thing in the end zone, we probably win that game. And then obviously this year we beat them, um, you know, we beat them at home, but 37-30, I think the final score. Yep. So like these guys are fine with Oklahoma and they're fine with Texas. I mean, it's just a different mindset. They don't have, you know, Todd and I talked about this on a podcast er- earlier this year is they don't have scar tissue of like, hey, AC at Kansas State, they haven't beat them in so long. You know, they, they just – they feel they, could, they like they can compete and they've shown that. So, I, you know, yeah, absolutely. You want to play the best and, you know, we are we are the best in the league this year. So, you know, I don't think they should go in with any kind of chip on their shoulder or anything. Like we should – we're in this game and we absolutely can beat Oklahoma for a second time. Tom, what do you, what do you see, Todd, um, schematically? Why does Iowa State in this Campbell program give – Oklahoma so much problems what do you think it is even when they're not like Oklahoma kills pretty much everybody in this league Iowa State's played with them what do you see yeah I mean we've talked about this you guys have talked about it Brett and I've talked about it on on our podcast our defense can be so multiple and give people so many different looks uh it's just hard to prepare for um Oklahoma you know I don't know how much they paid West Virginia to get this uh get this week's game canceled to give them two weeks to prepare um, but I'm sure a duffel bag full of uh, full of hundreds showed up somewhere because, uh, you know, getting two weeks <laughs> yeah, prepared for, for our defense, uh, it, it's, you know, that's that's huge for them. They need it because our defense is there's a reason that all these that Clemson comes in, and studies us in the offseason, that NFL coaches are coming and studying our defense in the offseason um, because we're doing something that nobody else was doing before. Uh, and it's just hard to prepare for, uh, especially for a freshman quarterback. Now, he's gotten better, um, no doubt. Um, but it's it's still not what he's seen, you know, in practice every day that you can't replicate the, you know, what our guys can do, especially up front um, with those guys coming off the edge. Uh, and then just to talk about what Brett said, uh, I, I hate agreeing with the guy, but he's exactly right. Like Oklahoma and Texas, when we played, they were they were the bullies. Like 
there was nobody on our team that had offers from those, you know, from those schools. That's not the case anymore. We have kids that turn down Oklahoma and turn down Texas to come be a cyclone. So it, you know, th- that's not the big bad wolf anymore to, to the, the players at Iowa state. Uh, it's just another team that they beat. Um, <laughs> we obviously couldn't see that, say that we got, uh, you know, we got <laughs> run out of the building a couple of times by those teams. Uh, and that's just not the case anymore. So it, it's a different playing field. It's a different mindset by the kids. Um, and like I said, they, they just don't fear anybody. They're, they're the team that, uh, that needs to be feared. Yeah. And Bloom, let me throw this to you. Chris makes a good point. And we we've, we've seen this during the Campbell era, Iowa state struggling with Iowa, Iowa state struggling with Kansas state. This defense was created literally to play a Lincoln Riley offense, Right. Yeah, you know, the thing is, it's interesting. So they went from the four-man to the three-man right before that Oklahoma game in 17, the one where Iowa State shocked everybody. And it was almost kind of out of luck, but then it turned into be maybe the the most important strategic move Iowa State football has ever had, um, going to that, you know, 3-3 stack or whatever you call it. Now, why I went back through the numbers today, guys, and what's interesting about Iowa State against Oklahoma and why does Iowa State give Oklahoma problems, first and foremost, it starts with stopping the run. And, you know, what is the biggest difference for Iowa State football in the last four years? It's stopping the run. It's the most important thing in football is you have to be able to stop the run. And Oklahoma, even though they've had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and now Spencer Rattler, you think, oh, it's that aerial attack. But where Oklahoma wants to beat you first and foremost is with that offensive line and running the ball. And if you look at the last four years, each of those four years, Iowa State has been in the top three of the season against Oklahoma and stopping the run. I think on average, it's about four yards a carry against Oklahoma in the four years Iowa State has played them. Generally, teams, generally they're doing you know, five and a half to six yards a carry against teams. And so if Iowa State can stop the run, even though they've got all those weapons at receiver and they've had great ones, they have great ones again this year, you make a team one-dimensional, it makes it a lot easier. And if Iowa State can stop the run, they did a fine job of that, not a great job in the first meeting, but that they do well enough, you make Rattler try to beat you, and that's where the defense can pin their ears back and then uh, get after the quarterback. So really, first and foremost, comes down to stopping the run. So I want to give credit to um, James Pollard, and that, that's Jamie's son. James, is he's great. He's a huge Cyclone fanatic follower, and he, have a, he have a, threw out a great stat today. And he, I'm reading it from James right now. He says, under Matt Campbell – Oklahoma has outscored Iowa State 128 to 67 in the first half, but Iowa State has outscored Oklahoma 100 to 46 in the second half. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Uh, and that's fascinating to me, Brett. And what that tells me, I remember I, I was calling the men's basketball at Oregon State last year, and we were taking off, and we thought that that game was over. Uh, that was the one that went into overtime with the two-point conversion. And we land, and, and it's an overtime, and you're like, wow, where did this happen? And thanks to Matt Van Winkle for pulling that tweet up right there from James. Good job, James, for pulling that out there. That tells me, I mean, Iowa State's making adjustments. One, they're not wearing down. Like, we've seen a lot of Iowa State teams do to the bigger schools – I was told by a strength coach at Iowa State a long time ago that after you play Iowa, Oklahoma, and Texas are generally the weeks where you're worn down, right? And you start to wear down in that second half. Um, you're not wearing down in two. I mean, Iowa State is coaching 
their guys up, right? In the second, that's what it seems like on the surface to me. What do you take from that stat, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the box score from the game this year, and you know, we outscored them like 24 to 13 in the second half. I, I think it's enough. It's two things. Number one, you make adjustments, and I'll kind of you know speak out of both sides here, but you also just stick to what you're doing. Like, how many games have we been in with you know Matt Campbell here, where it's like we're patient, we're patient, we don't change anything. Like, think about the Drake game, how like hard that was to watch and it's just like we're just going to continue to just do what we do we're not going to change anything and we're going to win this game by just playing like iowa state football and that is what i mean if you think about what like iowa's done like their defense and they just keep things in front of them and i think that's the biggest like when you're a quarterback and you sit back and you look at three down linemen and just eight bodies in the secondary on the second and third level it's hard to be patient it's hard to do that over and over and over again and i think that you know, teams like Oklahoma who want to spread it out and throw the ball and as much as they'd like to run it, like if they can't, then they're going to – you got to be patient and it's hard to do. And I think that's been the biggest thing is we just kind of stick to our guns. Like we'll make some adjustments if there's something that they have schemed out in the first couple series they, they get and maybe they're, they're scripted plays. But I think the biggest thing is we just – you know, we kind of just stay with what we do. And that's, you know, you watch, you know, Mount Union and the, those teams that won. Like that's, that's Coach Campbell's kind of like his core what he's about. And I think that's a big reason why we've been able to win a lot of these games in the second half. Todd, a good example comes to mind uh, going to the Texas game. Two minutes, we'll give away that Traeger. Uh, but the Texas game, it was like four minutes to go in Campbell punts. It was fourth and two. And then they had the false start. He punts on fourth. And, you know, and the internet lost their damn mind. I know I did. I was, I was mad. What are we doing? But that's, isn't that Brett's point though? Just the guy, he's staying to his core He's got these percentages cooked up. I don't know. That was the example that came to my mind when Brett was just talking about that. Yeah, I mean, he just, that's the epitome of trust the process. I mean, that's that's their brain of football. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do as a coach. Trust the defense. Their defense has been so strong all year. Um, so just stay with the plan. You know, don't deviate from the plan that they set out, that they put a winning game plan together. They're going to stick to it. And there were so many points at the end of that game that that being one of them, the fourth down call uh, to punt it, where I'm thinking like, oh man, here we go. Are we gonna are we gonna have another close call? Are we gonna Iowa State this thing away again? And it just it doesn't happen anymore. And that's what's so fun, like for me now to be a fan, is it's the end of those games are they're playing out differently than they have in the past. And that's why it's so much fun to to watch a Matt Campbell coach football team. Because as us as fans, we have to trust it too and just say, you know what, he's smarter than all of us. He knows what he's doing. Let's stick with his plan and look at the, the results that we've gotten so far this year. And Chris, I think to your point as well as about the second half and the strength and condition, I mean, think about the plays Iowa State has made late that in previous seasons they haven't. I mean, just you go back to the TCU game, Rose gets the interception. The Baylor game, Rose gets another yeah. interception. You look at Aishim Young against Oklahoma. You look at Texas, Latrell Bankston stepping up late. It's that ability to close out games. You know, look at last year, all the close calls that Iowa State didn't get to go its way. This year, they're making those plays. And I think that comes from the, you know, not only the experience level of being in those big moments before and learning how to win, but also Iowa State has been a tougher, tougher minded team this year. And that's resulted in those strong second halves. I would also point out, too, and I wrote a little bit about this three, four games in, um, but it was very, um, it was very evident early and I think that they stuck with it. They slowed the tempo down this year offensively. They um, – running fewer plays, 
uh, per game, and that was very deliberate. And I think one of the things that they saw last year was that defense wearing down just a little bit in the fourth quarter when you're playing these up-tempo offenses. They were not good on third down a year ago. And, and again, I, I really think that that was a formulated plan uh, to freshen up that defense. And Bloom makes a great point, making plays on third and fourth down, which that defense was good last year, but how many interceptions did they drop? How many – you know, balls bounce the other way. I always joke with Campbell. I, I believe turnovers are quite random. You, you say that to a coach or a player like you guys, I'm sure Brett would roll his eyes at me saying that. <laughs> um, that's easy for a geek in his basement to say like me. But, um, yeah, I, I think it all kind of comes together, and that's why Iowa State is in this spot. All right, we'll get back to the game. I do want to do um, – I did a drawing earlier. So all, all season long – We've been doing the – you've heard us talk about them ad nauseum. We've been tweeting about it, everything, where we have been challenging Cyclone fans to have a great pork tailgate, right? Nobody can go to games. What are you doing uh, to send it in? And the winner was going to get a Traeger grill, uh, courtesy of our friends at the Iowa Pork Producers. And what a, what a, what a deal that is. I actually went out and bought a Traeger grill. Uh, when this pandemic started, I started smoking meat that became a big hobby of mine. So I'm glad to, this is the name I pulled out of my Uncle Dick's old army hat right here. And it was Amy and Ben Plank from Van Meter. I believe they won the first contest too this season. Uh, and they are the winners of the Traeger Grill, courtesy of our friends at the Iowa pork producers. You can see there a graphic that Jacqueline Cordova put together for us. Uh, Matt Van Winkle is producing tonight's program. So congratulations to Amy and Ben Plank. Again, they were week one winners. So they they won the, the first one and they, they won the grand prize. Thanks to everybody who entered. Uh, we are, I'm actually going to meet with the pork producers coming up here at the start of January and we're going to plan some fun stuff coming up for you in the basketball season as well. So congrats to them. That's really awesome, and um, I love the pork producers. They've been phenomenal supporters of what we're doing here, and they've been great partners. And, man, it's it's hard to beat being able to promote agriculture in the great state of Iowa. So thanks to them, and congrats to the Planks. All right, we'll get to uh, some questions here that you guys might have here in just a little bit. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Oklahoma, and I'll start with you, Brett, with, with Spencer Rattler. Um, what, how have you seen him grow from week one until where he is at right now? Quarterback to quarterback. What do you give us a scout? Yeah. I mean, I, without, I could, I could give you this without even just watching any games of just like experience means so much and just being comfortable means so much and being able to hear it a lot of, you know, it's a week to week game plan and it changes week to week. That's hard to do. Um, if you're a young guy and you haven't seen a whole lot, but uh, you know, Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive coaches in all of football at any level, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter what. So you have somebody like that. He's going to be able to play to his player's strengths. And it's not just on the quarterback. I mean, you've seen it with our team this year and, and how Purdy kind of struggled early on. And then the receivers got their legs under them and started to figure out what they needed to do. We get some guys healthy. And I think that's happened with Oklahoma as well. They haven't had the run game that they normally do. Um, and I think that's kind of hampered his development. 
But I think for him, I mean, he's a natural thrower. I mean, he's right up there with the guys they've had in the past, whether it's Kyler Murray or probably Baker Mayfield is the two guys that jump out at you the last few years of just being natural throws of the football. And he's right there with them. Uh, but, yeah, I think he, his game is, is something where he's, he's not turning the ball over as much. I think he's only got seven interceptions on the year, which is really good for a first-year starter and how much they throw the ball. Uh, but, yeah, I think for him, with that, without him really watching a ton of Oklahoma games, it's just experience is the one thing that I can speak to is, man, I felt mm -hmm. so much better, you know, my 10th game than I did my, you know, second or third. And I think you're seeing that with him. Todd, what about you as far as the, um, the matchup? I, I, I guess I kind of thought early on in the season that the Rattler storyline may have been overblown a tad because I was watching them and it was the same problem that they've had by not being able to, you know, when a playoff game, it wasn't really their offense. Their offense was pretty productive. It was a defensive problem. Well, they've got a lot of guys back. They've been pretty good on defense. But, you know, offensively with Oklahoma, I guess, like, to me, I think Rattler is what he is. What do you see in the back end of that matchup? Because they got those big, explosive wide receivers. Anthony Johnson's been locked down for Iowa State. Seems like that other side, Young's been burned a couple times. Uh, how do you see that matchup breaking down? Yeah, I think one thing that, that Oklahoma does well is they spread the ball around. They don't have one dominant guy kind of like they've had in the past. You know, C.D. Lamb last year, the last couple of years. Um, they've they've kind of, you know, had one real stud out there and then a, a bunch of more role-player role, role player type guys. Um, this year it's just they spread the ball around a lot more. Um, oh, boy. I, sorry, Spencer Rattler is not a good-looking guy. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, but uh, they, they spread the ball around a lot more. He doesn't have the uh, – he doesn't have the luxury of, uh, uh, of a, a big bell cow running back kind of like we do. Um, and, and our defense, again, it's when you play the three-man front like we do – as a as any quarterback, but especially a young one, it's just tough to know where that fourth and fifth rush are going to come from. Um, that's what our defense does so well, and I'm always going to go back to that. Is it starts up front for us with those three down guys, um, and and being able to get pressure with three or or pressure with bringing four and, and then blitzing five or six. But our back end guys have held up, and they know they don't have to cover forever because we have guys that can come off the edge and, and get to the quarterback, which we've shown all year. Um, so our our corners especially can be, you know, we see you see Johnson, he gets right up in somebody's face. He's a uber confident DB, um, kind of in the DeAndre Jackson mode of when Shot. we were there. Um, uh, very, very confident at all times, which you have to be as a DB, so, you know, short memory. Uh, but he's not afraid to get up in front of somebody, um, wolf at him a little bit. Uh, and get his hands on him. Um, you, I mean, we saw in the Oklahoma State game, he didn't back down from uh, Tylen Wallace, one of the best receivers in the league, uh, on a single play. Um, and I love that about him. And, I, you know, young at safety, I think, is a he's a star now, but he's definitely a future star. Um, and we just got guys that aren't intimidated and they're aggressive on the back end. And it it complements our, uh, our front line guys so well because they can get after the quarterback and um, make guys rush and especially young guys feel like they're in a hurry a little bit. Bloom, bring me the numbers. Am I right about Oklahoma's defense? Because that, to me, the talking point yeah. on Rattler seems to be coming from people who aren't actually watching the games. Yeah, yeah, he's about the same. If you look at his numbers, he's been about the same all year long. He's about seventy percent completion. He actually statistically was really good against Iowa State. Had the one late interception from Aishim Young, but threw for three hundred yards, seventy percent, and was fine in that game. But get this, guys. Who do you think averages more yards per play, Iowa State or Oklahoma? 
Well, the way you framed it, I would say Iowa State. But, yeah. Yeah. They do. I think most people they do. Guess I'm an Iowa State yeah. show, so I'm going to go cycle. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so there's that. But but get this. Who, opponent yards per play. Who's better, Oklahoma or Iowa State? Opponent yards. See, I would play. guess Iowa State there. Oklahoma's wow. better. I would so not really, guess that. Yeah. Oklahoma's defense wow. uh, the last five weeks has just been dominant. I mean, completely dominant. In fact, the last three weeks, their last three games, they're the best in the country in yards per play allowed at like 3.5, just a I crazy think, number. So they now they haven't played, played the last play, the last three they, weeks though, right? Correct. They're correct. And they got a Kansas game in there, which, which helps the averages, but, but they have been really good on defense and that's, but again, you think Oklahoma, you think powerful offense. In fact, it's Iowa State's offense has been better throughout this entire season than Oklahoma, but Oklahoma has been much improved on defense coordinator now in year two there. And then, the one issue for Iowa State they have not seen yet is Perkins, the defensive end, who was an all Big 12 first teamer, was suspended for the Iowa State game. Actually, was suspended for the first six weeks of the season due to some disciplinary issues before the Peach Bowl last year. He's back and he's been dominant. And so that's a whole new test for either Remsburg or Foster coming off the edge because Perkins is a complete game changer for them. And that's one reason why Oklahoma is pretty confident coming into this game against Iowa State. Yeah, and uh, let, me, let me ask you guys about that, too, because I thought, just eye test-wise, I thought that was the best defensive line Iowa State has seen this year. Todd, do you uh, – only in the sense that that Oklahoma lost that game, if you go back and watch it, not with their D-line. They were pretty good up front. They lost it getting confused in the back end, um, and that was – that was without Perkins. I, did you see that too, Todd, or am I nuts here? I think uh, – I mean, I having not watched the game since it happened, I can't tell you specifics, but I think the one difference, like like Bloom's talking about, is in the past their defense was the liability. They gave up – they got confused on the back end. They gave up big chunk plays to other teams that allowed teams to either stay in it um, or, you know, come back and beat them or, or just outright run away from them a little bit, uh, and that's just not happening right now. Their offense has always been explosive for years and years now. They were even when at the beginning of the season with a young quarterback, they were still a good offense. The difference is, um, Brent, like you said, their their defense is just tightened up, and their defense is playing at an elite championship level. Um, luckily, our quarterback has really turned the corner and is playing at elite level too, which wasn't always the case the first few games of the year. So, I like yeah. it. it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I want to go back to uh, and quiz Brett about something that Todd said earlier because this is something that. Um, uh, if you just watch the games like we do, I don't. I don't think you can truly comprehend. But Brett, um, Oklahoma has not played much lately. Uh, now, if they would have played West Virginia last weekend, it would have been more merely a scrimmage. I mean, they would have tried to win because they still had an outside shot at the playoff. But they had already locked themselves into a spot in the Big Twelve championship game. Is it an advantage for Iowa State that you know they're only uh, you know one week off here? They should be relatively sharp or do you say advantage Oklahoma by getting that extra week off to prepare for Iowa State but like say I mean they play like one time in four weeks so this is getting a little bit hairy for Oklahoma as far as there's a rust factor yeah I mean I, I don't know it's it's hard to quantify what like if that ever really means something because you hear it like in bowl games and and now this year you've heard it because it's been such a crazy yeah, year guys like me talk about it it doesn't mean yeah, I mean, yeah the- <laughs> talking <laughs> yeah, heads I, on tv yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's why i'm asking you guys okay 
Yeah, I honestly feel like it's a positive because you just want to get healthy and they're going to be as healthy as they are. Um, I think that the, and we can get into this and like when we get to the actual talk about prediction for the game, but I think the biggest kind of like non, I guess, football related X's and O's wise factor of the game is going to be they're going to have a lot more guys that have been in this game and played in that stadium than we do. And that really can go one way or another in terms of whether or not you get off to a fast start. So I think that's going to be the most, the biggest kind of, like I said, not hey, we're not talking X's and O's. We're not talking matchups. What is kind of like an outside distraction, if you will, that can, that can have, you know, have an, uh, dictate, you know, who wins this football game. And that, that could be, they're going to have, you know, X amount, 30 to 40 guys from Texas who played high school games in this stadium and they played the big 12 championship games. And we're not, I mean, think about Iowa and they went to the Rose Bowl a few years ago and just got, Stanford had been there, you know, mm-hmm. four or five times in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And oh, so cool. of, yeah, it was great. I, I enjoyed watching them getting whooped, but <laughs> I mean, you know, we could have hopefully not a similar, we won't have a similar outcome, but I'm, it's just familiarity with the surroundings when you have something, you know, as different as, you know, Jerry's world. So I think that has a bigger impact and time off. We're going to be rested. They're going to be rested. Both teams are going to be eager to play. Both coaching staffs are going to be, ready to go and they're going to be two great game plans. And I don't think that's going to have to play a factor on Todd. Do you have anything to add to that before we move on? You were the one that kind of brought up that point. Do you, do you agree, disagree with Brad at all? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a advantage for either team. I think it just levels that part of it a little bit. Uh, they, they got another week to get healthy. That's the biggest thing in two weeks. Isn't going to No, I don't think Rust will form in two weeks. Now when you're doing bowl games, you know, everyone talks about that, but that's because you're talking about a month off, you know, in yeah. some cases. Uh, I mean, you can get a little rusty in a month off, more so up front when guys aren't used to going full speed and getting hit in the mouth. You know, for a receiver, you're still running routes, you know, for that whole whole month and, and working on timing. Um, but the full speed collisions is the thing that I think, uh, you know, you see it early in the season coming out of two-a-days when you haven't had a lot of reps like that, full speed reps. Same thing with a month off. But for two weeks, I think it's just a bonus for both teams. You get healthy. Um, you get that extra, you know, coaches love it because they're, you know, spending 120 hours in the office anyway. And now they just get to do that for two weeks preparing for one team. Um, so it's, I mean, it's going to be a fight. You know, I don't think either team's going to run away with this thing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I like our chances. We've proven that we can rise to the, the uh, rise to the occasion the last few years and especially this year. Uh, well, Chris, yeah, go ahead, uh, I would say- Iowa State's had some injuries too, and I don't know the exact status on some of those guys, but, uh, you know, if you can get Dylan Sainer back, that'd be huge. Uh, maybe just as big on some guy, but as critical yeah. as Isaiah Lee. I mean, that guy can really make a make a difference inside on the defensive end. It was good in the first game against Oklahoma, but you get those guys rested. Mike, Mike Rose has been banged up throughout this year, so get him a couple more weeks. And then having an extra week of practice for Tariq Milton – who's the guy that really hasn't done a whole lot this year. He's been injured, but he's one of those players that could be a game changer on Saturday, and he just brings a whole other dimension to obviously it's offense. He scored his only touchdown of the year against Oklahoma, right? I don't oh, think he scored, but okay, he had like was, a 50-yard pass, right? Yeah, you know, and the one thing, too, we're, we're talking about all these, you know, the prime guys, the Spencer Rattlers, the Brock Purdy's. Iowa State doesn't beat Oklahoma the last time without uh, Kenny Nwongu's kick return. Uh, to really set up that score at the end. Like, to me, let's, as we start to, you know, nearing about 845 here, we can start to really get to the nuts and bolts of this thing, guys. It's usually in these games, these championship-type games that are going to be close. And, you know, if you look at 
The SEC game is a 17-point spread. The Big Ten game is a 21-point spread. Um, the ACC game even is a 10-and-a-half-point spread. This is the one that Vegas is locked in on to be a really competitive football game, and Iowa State and Oklahoma tend to play really close. That's where it is to me. It's the um, the tweener type stuff. I, I think we know what we'll get from – I guess this is what's fun about Iowa State right now, Bloom, and I'll, I'll throw this to you quickly for an overview, but the they're good up front on both sides. They're elite on the defensive line. They're good up front on offense. Yep. You have a really consistent quarterback. You have a consistent running back. Um, you've got wide receivers, and that, or you've got tight ends, which to me is that screams consistency. Uh, really good linebackers. Like I, I don't feel like going into this game. I don't know what I'm going to see from Iowa State, which to me that says in the like you can't miss, you can't miss chip shot field goals. You can't miss PATs. Um, no, no dumb fumbles. Right. Brock can't have one of those plays where he loses his mind. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's the Nuwangu kick returns. Those are the type plays that in my mind will maybe at the time, it doesn't feel like it seals the game one way or another, but it's kind of like in basketball, those free throws down the stretch. Right. Yeah. I mean, special teams are huge. And then just the, the turnover battle, it always is. I would say one of the turnover battle against Oklahoma on uh, October or whatever third that was and won the game. I mean, it, these are these teams. If you just look at pure numbers and you've seen them throughout the year, they are almost dead even on both offense and defense. So, where are those little things here or there that that change the dynamic of the game? You know, Oklahoma's favor because it's Oklahoma. If you just look at the numbers, these things are dead even, and uh, so that's why. But I saw today in the in the last five years in these championship games in the Power Five conferences, the favorite guys is twenty three and two. So. Again, usually in these things, it's an overwhelming favorite like Ohio State against Northwestern. They just take care of business. But very rarely do you have a spread that's you know, four or five points like this Iowa State-Oklahoma game is. Iowa State is the underdog via Vegas, but really I think this is a 50-50 game, and it's it's a play here, a play there that will determine it, just like Aishim Young made against these guys back in October. Uh, Todd Blythe, should Iowa State be an underdog to Oklahoma? They already beat them. They went eight and one in the regular season. Has Oklahoma gotten that much better where they should be five point favorites over Iowa State? No. What I mean, what has shown throughout the season that we have taken a step backwards to compared to what they've done? Um, if anything, we are ramping up and peaking at the right time, uh, especially on offense. Uh, you know, to to Bloom's point, it's it probably will come down to one of those. I don't want to say secondary players, but those, you know, role players, so to speak, because we play a brand of offense that's very consistent, a brand of football, you know, as a whole, but offense especially. We run the ball better than anybody else in the country, and we throw the ball to two or three if they're healthy, uh, you know, really, really good tight ends. Um, It's not a drop back and chuck the ball up 50 yards downfield and, you know, hope Lazard or Butler come down with it. That's not the brand of offense that that we play anymore. It's run the football. It's throw to tight ends, mixing a, a little bit with the receivers. Um, there, I mean, knock on wood. You know, I could end up eating these words, but there's not a whole lot that can go wrong with that that style of offense. Uh, so it's going to come down to the little stuff, the you know, the details and um, capitalizing when we have a chance to make a play, uh, making that play. It's it's not going above and beyond. You know, coaches always talk about, hey, go make a play. Just make the play. Make the play that's in front of you. Um, you don't have to go out and do something that you're not necessarily capable of or that's above your skill set or anything like that. 
just make the play on each and every play and we'll come out with a W on this thing. I guarantee it. All right. Uh, let's take a few questions. Matt Van Winkle has been producing today's program and uh, we've had man upwards of like 600 people logged into this, watching it live. If you just caught the end of it, I'll have it on the Psycho and Fanatic Network podcast feed. I will also have this on our front page so you guys can go back and watch it from the start on demand uh, whenever you would like. But Shuffman, 1984, wants to know how the offensive line stacks up against Oklahoma's defensive line. Bloom, I this one is um, matchup-wise to me. Um, I might even favor Oklahoma here, but I don't think it's extraordinary. You know, like I, Iowa State's offensive line is – I think played really well this year. Um, I don't, I, I'm not worried about this. Like, I don't think Brock's going to be like running for his life or anything, but this is a really good D line, maybe top 10 in the country. Yeah. Oklahoma's great. In fact, if I have one concern in this game, I think that's it is, you know, you, you, Iowa State's been so good about not allowing pressure. In fact, of those quarterback quarterbacks of 250 or more attempts, Iowa State's given up the fourth fewest sacks. Uh, in college football this year. So they've been outstanding at protecting Brock. They need to do that, though. And I think Oklahoma is as good a defensive line as Iowa State will see. West Virginia's is right up there, too, and Iowa State really made them look very ordinary. And this line has come a long way. So, you know, what has changed for Iowa State? I think Iowa State offensive line has actually gotten way better Holy since the game in October because you've got Simmons with, what, seven more games under his belt. Remsburg has stepped in and actually been an upgrade at that other tackle spot. Plus, you know, Colin Newell is having an all Big 12, you know, borderline All-America type level. You don't think about him because he's flashy. He's not a flashy kid. He's from Ames. But Colin Newell has been outstanding. So I think Iowa State is just fine in that offensive line. But, you know, all it takes is a, a sack here or a sack there by Perkins. And he concerns me, honestly. I'm concerned about Perkins for Oklahoma. I think he's probably the best defensive player not on Iowa State's roster in the conference. Yeah, that would be a big uh, thing to get Saner back in that scenario as well. Um, Brett, real real quick, because I saw a couple people asking about this as far as Brock Purdy goes and just how we've seen him evolve. This is a key for me as well. Is we, I think you watch quarterbacks in a whole different way, but, man, he extends plays. You know, like I – he can just extend a play and he he's very smart with it. Is that more important against a team like Oklahoma where we expect there to be some pressure? And uh, can you just analyze the, the role of the quarterback against that defensive line? Yeah. I think anytime you're, you know, you're against an elite defensive line with, you know, next level NFL guys on it, much like a Perkins, you have to be able to extend plays. It's a hundred percent. You have to. Um, and I think Brock is, you know, without being, you know, a Lamar Jackson type, just freak athletically, he's able to do that because he's so savvy and, and just kind of is so comfortable and, and knows where he's at on the field and just very good at that. So that's kind of something that I thought about just today and thinking about the game was he's going to have to have maybe three or four of those type of plays where he extends it, gets a first down, gives him a little pump fake eight yards down the field like he does. It somehow works. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's going to that's gonna be key. Um, you know, we – this is probably like, you know, much to Brent's point, like this is the matchup where they have an advantage athletically on their defensive line versus our front. Our guys are good, but, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Defensive linemen are 
especially in the NFL. I mean, they're the best athletes on the field. They're always going to be more athletic than the offensive linemen. So, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have our A game. And I think Brock, yeah, he's going to be able to extend plays. He's going to need a few of those and both in the run game and the pass game uh, for us to, you know, for us to be successful. All right. Let's throw some more uh, fan questions up here, Van Winkle and Zach. Wants to know any chance that Oklahoma comes out rusty, only having that one game since the twenty-first of November. We kind of touched on this a little bit. All right, okay. Todd is a wide receiver. We'll put it this way. I'll frame it a little bit differently. Um, the timing-wise, that's a stri- that's a very timing-based offense. I mean. Do you expect that to be a thing, or again, is this just something that people like Bloom and me overplay to have something to talk about? <laughs> Absolutely, no. Uh, <laughs> no, from the re- from the receiver standpoint, I it, I don't see it being a problem because even if you're you know saving guys' legs a little bit, you're still running full speed routes. You're still getting timing reps with the quarterback, even if it's routes on air. Um, as long as they're running the routes the way they should be in practice, the timing stuff isn't going to be a problem. Uh, at this point, you know, the, those reps are locked in. There's there's not going to be busting assignments or anything like that. Um, so you're not going to see the mental mistakes that you could see at the beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see Russ being, a, being an issue from a skill position standpoint. Again, the only thing that comes to mind when you're talking about a, you know, three-plus week layoff is uh, possibly up front just because those guys haven't had the full speed uh, reps. You know, an O-lineman, you know, trying to reach a guy on outside zone. Um, if you haven't done it full speed with with contact for three weeks, it can be a little bit of a surprise when when a three technique you know leans on you a little bit and you're trying to get to the edge. So it uh, may be a little bit of rest for those guys, but overall, I don't see you know two three weeks being too big of an issue. When did you learn about run game stuff? <laughs> three techniques and reaching. When I coach running back, when I coach running backs. I was going to say, this has running to back, back to you and I, man. You and I, yeah. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Todd knew I didn't know anything when I played receiver. I didn't know anything about – I didn't even know who I was supposed to be blocking on run plays. Oh, that's funny. I'm over here laughing. <laughs> Matt, what else we got? Let's get to a few more of these questions here if you got a second. Well, all right. Bart, what are the biggest uh, keys to winning on Saturday, offense and defense? Uh, all right, this will be a good roundtable. Let's let's do this. Is we got about ten minutes to go here. Uh, Bloom, we'll start with you. Give me a big key. What are you What are you keying in on? So mine's the same on both sides, and I'm gonna I'm gonna circle the number 150, and that's okay. rushing yards. First team to get to 150, uh, that's the magic number for me. Whoever can run the ball with more consistency, uh, I think, has the better chance to win. Because again, everything for Oklahoma and Iowa State really dictates off the run, opens everything else up. One other concern I have. And that's early in the game. Iowa State's going to be amped up. I mean, Oklahoma's going to be amped up too, but to Brett and Todd's point, they've been in this environment before. I am concerned Lincoln Riley has a little bit of that, uh, you know, gambler in him, you know, with the Hayden Fry exotic play. You don't want to overrun something and give up a, you know, a cheap trick touchdown early. And I think Oklahoma, with the extra couple of days to prepare for, could have something up their sleeve early uh, that I would be wary of. Yeah, uh, that's good stuff right there. And, I don't know. Again, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier. For me, I don't. I just don't know if Iowa State needs stuff like that to win it. We did see the tight end to tight end pass in that game earlier this year, but I, I don't know. Brett is same same question to you, Brett. But I, I just feel like again, like I just need to reiterate this. Like if Iowa State 
plays Iowa State football and wins, it's because they're the better team. I just don't think this will be a deal where it's just like, oh, they choked or they lost their mind or they, you know, they weren't prepared or anything like that. Like, so assuming that that premise is is accurate and we know what team we're going to see, what's a key? What are, what are some keys for you to win this football game? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Bloom's point was really, really important. Um, I think the one fifties, I think that that's spot on. I think, you know, for me, when you talk about these games, um, and I heard a coach say this, I can't remember who said it, but just talking about like your A players have to get A's. What coach I mean by Blythe. that is like, what's that? Coach Blythe? Yeah, he, no. He just, I, think, he, I think I said that. He just learned about a three technique last week, so I don't know. He <laughs> Sorry, studied yeah, it right before this uh, show. Yeah, he Googled it, three technique. Um but no, I think just like, your your guys got to show up on both sides, right? I mean, Brock's got to be Brock, and Charlie Kohler's got to do his thing, and Brees needs to be, you know, he needs to be him, and our, you know, Will McDonald needs to step up and and, and pressure the quarterback, and hey, big third down, and and they're they're in field goal range, you need to get a sack to get him out of field goal range, or third and eight, we need to get off the field, we need to put pressure on him or Jaquan or somebody just got to do what they do. Um, so that that's the biggest thing for me is we can't have any uncharacteristic performances from one of our key guys that we really lean on in key positions because in championship games you've seen it doesn't matter what sport it is if if the, you know the lights are too bright or somebody doesn't show up and it really throws off you know whatever perform whatever team so I'm looking for our guys to show up and then like you said earlier you know what where do we win in the margins is it on special teams do we have somebody that steps up. Um, whether it's Tariq or somebody who steps up that, does, you know, isn't one of our key guys and makes a play. Is it, you know, Nwango on a kick return or like where can we win in the margins in addition to just our A guys showing up? Like we have to have our thoroughbreds there and they got to perform because, I mean, this is championship football and that's what you got to have happen. Todd Blythe, same to you. Keys to a Cyclones winning their first Big 12 championship. Just play our brand of football, what we've done all season. Uh, run the ball effectively. Don't get behind the sticks. Don't get off schedule as far as down and distance. Um, third medium is very manageable for this team because of our tight ends and because of our, you know, short and intermediate pass game. Third and long is tough. Um, so stay ahead of the sticks. Run the ball really, really well on first down. Um, and then avoid dumb penalties in the red zone. There's nothing more frustrating for a fan, definitely a coach, for other players as – you know, false starts and holding in the in the red zone when you get down there and ruin a chance to uh, to put six or seven on the board. So, but just play our brand of football, run the ball effectively, stay ahead of the sticks, um, throw the ball to those uh, those three big tight ends. I'll, 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 I'll just be honest. I think that the color of uniforms is the key. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Are they going to come out with the red and yellow pants like we had with Chiz? Do you think that's? Gonna, I don't know. Those oh, are so those bad. Are, those are the worst uniforms I've ever. I don't know. The the navy blue was bad. Were they wearing that when you guys committed? Yeah, they had those. They changed yeah, uh, unis we our first year there. We got new unis. Yeah, they went from Russell to Nike, so we were good. Yeah, we didn't get made fun of. <laughs> the yellow pants that we wore as seniors, though, oh, those were gosh. brutal looking. Those were bad. Those were really. Weren't those like in a transition year? Like where they were. Yeah, them and they had to splash together. we're going to change, like unis get an overhaul. Um, but then with the coaching change, they decided Nike decided not to not to do complete new unis. Not really know what was going on. So then, yeah, they changed the the logo and everything the next year. Um, so yeah, we got stuck in the year with like I don't know. We got somebody's hand me down pants. Those yellow ones. Those, <laughs> those are okay. brutal. 
Real, real talk here. Real talk here. I've um, had a couple of Cody Rhodes. Okay, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> this is what I have. You guys had this one yet? I got one, by the way. Got a delivery. You guys have one of today. That's nice. It's a fancy it's, bottle. Yeah, it is a. Um, it's Cody Road that has been sitting in a um, uncommon. It, it, it's from and it's the distiller Bent River Distillery in Illinois, and this is this is really good. I think this is kind of hard to find. Uh, who, but, who who do you know, man? Like you get all show you, know. you guys have this. There's only five made. Nobody else has <laughs> yeah, one. Right. I know. Do you, have one? No. do you have? Do you not have one? No. <laughs> okay, uh, for real though, let's talk about the uniform. I don't want to overdo this because this is what losers talk about. But what does do you feel different? Like, because there's actual psychology. If you go into a meeting, that you're going to perform better if you have like a tie on. Like, if you feel fresh, right? If you if you've taken a sh- as opposed to just showing up and you know in your pajamas, mm-hmm. it's the same way as a football player. Because like, or is it just like, oh, well, we wore the black uniforms against in games that we should win, and that's like the Kirk Cousins Monday Night Football thing, right? Like, well. It's probably because they're playing better teams in prime time. Why he sucks, you know? Like, is there anything uh, to the uniform thing? I think it depends on who. For some players, it definitely is. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, like for like, I like <laughs> yeah. to look good. The you know receivers, DBs, but like I can remember, you know, like God rest his soul, but like Jason Berryman was probably the best football player I ever played with. He didn't wear any gloves. He didn't have his wrist tapes. He just went out and played. He was like he looked and like he, the default create a player. Yeah, on like he didn't care. before like, you did anything. And, that's what he looked yeah. like. Yeah, and we had some guys that were like you know scholarship guys who never saw the field. But they looked really good. You know what I mean? So I, I think for us, Coach Campbell doesn't care about uniforms. I can promise you that. And our guys, oh, the no, black he uniform, likes all black. He likes. I know, all they, black. he likes all black. I'm saying like he does. It's not something he's gonna like think about during the week. Oh, look at that! Look at that pants. pull by Matt Van Winkle. Oh no! With the mustard pants. <laughs> oh, Those man. pants are so bad. <laughs> I think you guys want. Did that I get game. caught from behind on that play? You guys should see the whole tattoo that's sticking out under his right arm. It's the worst tattoo of all time. <laughs> oh, that was a that was a mistake. But Life, nah. you you answered the uniform question very quickly though. That it, it seems like. I, I mean, you want to look good, but I, I it's look at this. Look at that. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> yeah, look I mean, I, I think up. that I think it's important just from a you know mindset standpoint. If you yeah, go out there you and you think you look like trash, you're not going to feel real confident lining up across from somebody. If you feel, if you think, you know, it starts with how you know you feel even before the the ball is snapped. If you feel confident, and you feel like you look good. Well, you got a chance to play good. Like very rarely does somebody go out there and just look outside of Jason Berryman, who looked like the creative player before you did anything and played like the all 99 <laughs> guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very important. Uh, different positions may feel differently, but as a receiver, especially when it's kind of a mono mono position out there, um, especially going against DBs who just want to talk and talk all game anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to make sure your stuff's tight because otherwise they're going to have something to talk about to you all game. Iowa State is undefeated in the All Blacks. That's, that's why I brought it up. That's huge. That's, that's, that's a, a huge mindset. That's not. When you fake. have something like that, yeah, I think it does. I want to say it's it's doesn't. It kind of matters, quote unquote. It's not going to determine the outcome of the game, obviously. So get, Brett, but, get Brett out of here with his mid calf white socks and his 
his Man. pants down halfway past his shins. Okay. Get out of here. Elbow pads. Looked really good. High hip pads that he wore at Atlantic. I do want to point out one thing before before we go and make some picks here. But all year long, Brett and I have been doing this halftime show, and it's been very telling to me because I get in here at halftime every week, and I'm all worked up and I'm pissed off. Oh, Sally just missed a PAT. Get out of here. And Brett's just like, calm down, chill out. We got this. <laughs> and you've been right way more often than I have. But um, I think the reason I pointed that out is I, I think that that's an important mindset for everybody to have on Saturday. I could see Oklahoma getting off to that fast start, but I'm I'm confident in this football team. I, I really am. I, I thought Matt Campbell after – I don't remember what game it was. Um, oh, it was prior to the Texas game. I asked Matt, what's the difference in this team compared to the one in 2017 that you brought down here in a similar scenario? It, there were some fairly significant differences, but if Iowa state won that game, they were going to have a decent chance to play for a big 12 title. And they, they weren't, they weren't in the game this year. Iowa state goes down there and wins it. And Matt said, it's, there's just I'm paraphrasing here. The way I understood his answer was there's less chaos. Like we just feel more like we're on solid ground across the board. And I just, I think that's really important to remember um, as fans watching the game. Obviously we don't have a, um, nothing we do will impact uh, how the game turns out. But I just think that that's kind of the theme of this season for Iowa state. If I had to put a T on it, uh, if you look, you lose your first game, right? The Louisiana, that's like being down at halftime. Uh, you're automatically starting. People are making fun of you go out and you weather the storm and you win on the road and at TCU in a game that you get down early and you have to come back right down against Oklahoma early. The Baylor game is a football game that a lot of Iowa state teams don't win. You're, you lose the turnover battle 4-0 and still come out on the other end. The COVID thing where a lot of your adversaries are having problems and you stay the course and you're fighting through it. And I think it'd be very poetic, Bloom, if Iowa State could, you know, if you get down early to weather that storm. And I, I could see that's how this football game turns out on Saturday. Yeah, I'll say this. Iowa State may not win on Saturday, but it's not because Iowa State doesn't belong. Iowa State proved it in the regular season that they belong in this position. And Oklahoma may be the better team on Saturday, but this is not going to be because Iowa State's not good enough. Iowa State is purely good enough to win this game, and I have every right to believe that this is a four-quarter game and it's a team that makes a play late, does it? And I anticipate that being Iowa State. Brett, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I I feel really good about this game. I'm bullish about this game. I, I don't uh, – I mean, I love that answer from Coach Campbell about just, you know, our programs on solid ground and we're, we're not going to walk into these games and there's going to be chaos. I just think this this is kind of next level, right? Because, you know, people who've been in that game have been like the first thing you do when you walk into that stadium is you look at the scoreboard and like little stuff like that that they're not going to be doing that a few of our guys might do. I just I'm not worried about it, but there's just I think that's just something that kind of is, is, is in your is in your mind and kind of the psychology of that. But. Other than that, I mean, once we just get whether it's a, a, any big game, you kind of have like the first couple minutes and then you get into the flow of the game. So if we can just, you know, like we played TCU, we got down 14 nothing in the Houston Bowl. We had a quick turnover. 
Um, we had a fumble. I think my man Bark and my love you, Bark, but uh, we threw like a, a quick tight end pop to him when he fumbled, and they went in and scored. And then we had a quick three and out. They went in and scored. It was fourteen nothing before we even like literally sat down on the bench, and we had to fight and scratch our way back into that game. So we can avoid something like that to where we're just kind of. Again, you know, whether it's a couple three and outs either way or they score early, we score early, whatever happens, as long as we can manage that early part of the game before we get into kind of flow of the game, I think we'll be fine. And, and like Brent said, I like us to make a play late because we've done it so much this year on both sides of the ball. Todd, I feel like you're the most bullish of anybody on Iowa State going into this one. <laughs> what do you got? Clones by three touchdowns, my man. Do they have running clock in college football? I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, no, I just I'm, I love the I love our team, what we've shown and what we've done all year. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be too big for any of them. Yeah, the the lights might seem brighter and the scoreboard is going to be bigger, um, but our guys have shown that no situation is too big for them. Um, I mean, look at the plays that we've mentioned tonight throughout the season of guys, you know, in the last couple minutes of a ball game. Come, up and making a game-changing or game-saving play. Uh, the spotlight's not too big for any of our guys. Uh, and I think that comes from, you know, from the top down, from our AD to our head coach to our assistants, you know, to the captains and the seniors all the way down. Um, I- I'm just excited to watch this game because it, one thing, if we can weather a storm early, because Lincoln Riley is as good as it gets, you know, calling plays. If we can weather a storm, they're going to have some gadgetry type play early on. If we can get to the middle of the first quarter and it's, you know, a, a one possession ball game, I, I love our chances. I do too. Um, and I want to thank everybody for, for watching. We're going to, this is just the start. It's the kickoff show. We're going to have content for you guys all week long. You can listen to the Meyer to Blythe podcast. It'll be at what time when you get Thursday night, you're recording. We do Wednesday night. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Yeah, okay. Blake's not as good as putting good as good at putting his kids down as me. So I'm always ready, like at nine. He's always <laughs> nine forty. He's probably yeah. I'm the, Bloom's Whenever. the same way when we pod. I always got my kids down. Bloom's uh, the one who's scrambling. What? No, my uh, my kids are, my kids have developed a I don't know resistance to Nyquil at this point, so that they don't go down <laughs> as easy anymore. But. Hey, buddy. What about this stuff? Getting the good stuff. That's the best next one. We're just going to start mainlining Cody Road to him. It's for teething. You just rub the Jack Daniels on their thumbs. That's right. Um, No, our team's working really hard. Uh, Stansbury sent out a content plan for us. We have National Signing Day Wednesday. We have two Big 12 basketball games tomorrow night. Two Big 12 basketball games on Friday night. Oh, and a Big 12 championship game coming up on Saturday with another basketball game coming up on Sunday. Like this is the craziest week ever, but it's why we do what we do. And um, you guys are going to look terrible by next Monday. If we went on Saturday, just cancel the basketball game the next day. <laughs> no doubt. Man. Cancel everything. Yeah. I can't it. look much worse than I did after um, hosting the cyclone reaction show after that Baylor game in 2014, the, what 13. Was the, 13. Nobody's counted, but I am. What was the final score on <laughs> that one, Bloom? 70 uh, to like 70 seven. points. 71 to 7. Oh, man. It's, we've come a long way. I feel very like, privileged and blessed to be sitting here doing a championship preview show with you fellas. And I mean that. I I give them crap, but uh, Meyer and Blythe are two of my favorites. Really good dudes. Um, you guys being a part of what we do has added a lot. So thank you for that. Uh, Bloom's the encyclopedia. 
Uh, Matt Van Winkle, can you come on the screen, Matt? Or is that – I just like to – there's Matt. Matt, wave at everybody. Hey. And all the cool graphics that you see and every – Matt is the real brains behind this deal. Uh, he's been awesome um, helping us develop all this new technology this year. And I will tell you this, that we're just getting started. This is um, – we're investing into this stuff. And I'm ho I can't wait until what next fall brings when we're not in the middle of a worldwide pandemic uh, to see what we can do. So – Thank you, guys. Appreciate everybody watching. Uh, again, if you missed it, uh, you can watch it on demand, listen to it on the podcast network. And anytime you hear Meyer and Blythe, it's it's best to be drinking one of these. It'll it'll help. There you go. Cheers, boys. All right. Cheers. Go clones. Let's go get them on Saturday. Thanks for watching, everybody. <laughs>